All right. Well, my name's uh, Andy. Uh, I get to work with a great team here, and my job is to send our church to the nations long term, um, and uh, we love getting to do that, but surprise, we're not going to do that today. We're not going to talk about going to the nations. If you want to go to the nations, uh, we can make that happen, uh, but we're not going to talk about that today. Instead, we're going to talk about uh, the main point that we're um, going to talk about today is that everybody is a disciple maker. That everybody is a disciple maker. And the best way, um, one of the best ways, if not the best way to make disciples is actually through God's word. So that's where we're going today. If it's your first time or one of your first few times here, uh, we're really glad that you joined us. Like Marcus said earlier, I'm just glad to have you worship with us. um, And uh, um, we're we're glad you're here. I think I said that three times. So that's okay. Uh, uh, in 2017, I don't know if you got any time to reflect and look back. Um, one of the things that, that I, um, looking back on the last year, wish would have happened but didn't, and so it's one of the things I'm begging God for in 2018, is that I would get to see somebody come to know Jesus, like a new believer, right? Somebody who wasn't a believer and now is following Jesus, make a disciple, and then see that person make a disciple, and then see those, that person or those people then begin to make more disciples, so one of the things I, I wish I would have gotten to see in 2017, and, and there's a lot of reasons why that, a lot of reasons slash excuses why that didn't happen in my life, but that's one of the things I'm begging God for for 2018. And I don't think it's something that God just wants in my life. I think it's something he wants in all of our lives. He wants in all of our lives, for all of us to be multipliers, for all of us to make disciples. And so that's what we're gonna talk about today. Um, because, see, there's this massive problem in, in, in Austin, and it has nothing to do with the traffic, okay? It has nothing to do with the traffic. The traffic's going to always be there until Jesus returns. It doesn't matter how many express lanes they put in. It's just always going to be this way, okay? Um, uh, it's just part of our great city. But here's the problem in Austin. There's about 2 million people um, that call Austin home, the kind of the surrounding communities, 2 million people, and about 1.7 million of them don't follow Jesus. They don't enjoy and worship and know Jesus like we do. They don't know that he, he is the one that can give them real life, life that will last forever like we just sang about. And, then, and, then, and, then, and that's really just a microcosm of what's happening in the world, right? 7.3 billion, billion with a B. If you say billion like that, spit can come out of your mouth too, right? Billion people and three billion of those, three billion have never heard of Jesus. Three billion in the world have, have never seen a Bible or met a, 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 a follower of Jesus. And so that's a problem, friends. That's a problem. And, and the statistics say, the studies say, that when, when they start um, polling some of these folks that don't worship Jesus in Austin, the large majority of them, the large majority of them, no, no matter how good our bands get in their grade, amen? You guys, can, can we do this? Yeah, for every campus, you can, you can clap for your band. And then the people that make them sound really good, that ne- never get any credit unless something goes wrong, right? We thank all the audio video, video people and all the people that, anyways, there's a lot of people that we can thank. But no matter how great it gets in our church services, no matter how good the preaching gets, no, how, how, no matter how much parking we get, the large majority of people in Austin, easily over a million people, will never come to a church service. And so what do we do, (laughs) right? What do we do with that? Well, we turn to the Bible. 
And, and, and Jesus tells us what to do. He says in a, in a very familiar passage, Matthew 28, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all, of my, all, that, I, all that I've said, all my commandments, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. He tells us to go and make disciples. And there, there's a lot of ways that God wants us to be the church, but one of the major ways, the way that we're gonna talk about today is what does it look like for us as the people of God to make disciples? What does that term mean? And by the way, it's not a one verse wonder. Sometimes people, you might be wondering like, is Matthew 28 it? Are there any other passages out there where Jesus specifically talks about expanding his kingdom? Yes, there are. There, there are lots. Um, let's t- pick a couple of them. Matthew four nineteen, when, when he called the disciples to first follow him, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. What does that mean? It means that we were supposed to grab people that weren't following Jesus and help them follow Jesus. We were supposed to make a disciple. Or you look at what he said in John 15. We'll look at this passage a little later, but he said, I have called you and appointed you so, so I have called you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. In other words, new believers should abide. You're the one that's gonna help them come to know me and then that fruit, those new believers should abide. Or what about after his resurrection? We look at the book of Acts in chapter one, verse eight, where he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus had it in mind from the very beginning that we were all supposed to make disciples. And I think a lot of us, we kind of understand that and we even agree with it. And some of us are like, mm, we're, we're humming. And we, you know, if you've been in Christian world, you know what I'm talking about. We do these holy nods, you know, you kind of just see this nod. And that's awesome. I'm not trying to make fun of anybody um, uh, at all because um, I'm a professional hummer, you know. And, and, um, and, and, and so it's, I, I don't think it's a lack of desire. I think a lot of times it's just that we don't know how. We don't know what it means to make a disciple. So that's what we're gonna talk about. And and what does it look like in 2018 for us to make disciples? How does that happen? And then we're gonna spend the back half of our time actually going through a real simple tool that you can use or you can use with your roommates or your MC, or you can jump into a group if you don't have either of those, right? And, and, And you can you can learn how to make disciples. So that's where we're going today. So first of all, here's the question. What happens when we make disciples? What happens when we make disciples? And when we say make disciples, I'm talking about the entire process from God starting to work in somebody's life to them hearing truth, right? The the truth of the gospel to them responding to that truth, repenting, turning, giving their lives to Christ and then then turning around and helping other people then go through the same process. That's the process of making disciples. And the Bible is central to that entire process. The Bible is central to that entire process. And today we're going to talk about primarily what does it look like to use the the Bible to share the gospel? Because Jesus has set it up and, and God has set it up in such a way that we can actually use the Bible to help discern what God is doing in people's lives. And so that's what we're going to do. You can turn to Mark chapter four, Mark chapter four in your Bible. And at this time in Mark, um, in Jesus's life, he'd done a few miracles. He was gaining popularity, right? His Instagram was always blowing up. And, and so people found out that he was gonna be on the shore and he hopped in a boat so he wouldn't get squished by all the people. And he starts to tell this story. 
In Mark chapter four, he says, a sower went out to sow, and we're talking about a sower who sows seed, right? S-O-W-E-R. A sower goes out to sow, and some of the seed falls on the hard path. And the birds of the air, they come down and, and, and eat it up, take it away. Other seed fell on the rocky soil, and it sprouted up quickly. But then as soon as the, the sun came out, and it was out for a little bit, but when the sun, the hot sun came out, it scorched it, and it died because it had no root. And then some other seed fell among the weeds, and it kind of grew up with the weeds, but the weeds choked it out, and it proved unfruitful, and it died. But there was some seed that fell on the good soil, and that soil bore fruit, and it bore a harvest 30, 60, and 100 fold. Now, what's crazy about Jesus, when you start to look at how Jesus taught, especially large groups of people, he would do this kind of thing all the time. He would say a parable just like that one, and then he just kind of dropped the mic, and he'd be like, right? I mean, that's all, you look at the passage, that's all the crowd got was that parable, right? The disciples are the ones who got to be like, Jesus, that was awesome. What does it mean? Right? And so we, by God's grace, get to hear Jesus unpacked to the disciples, not to the crowd, but just to the disciples what it means, starting in verse 14. He says this, the sower sows the word. So the sower sows the word. And when these, uh, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear, immediately receive it with joy, and, um, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then, when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. And they um, are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that are sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. So we're answering the question, what happens when we make disciples? And we look at this, this parable, the story that Jesus told, and we see a couple different parts, right? We see the sower that represents us. That's God wanting us to be the sower. We see the seed in verse 14. We see very clearly it says, Jesus says, the seed is the word. Right? And then we've got the soils. The four soils represents four types of people that respond to God's word in different ways. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at this story and learn about what it means to make disciples. Three things that I think we can learn. Number one, sowing is the work that we do. Sowing is the work that we do. Number two, saving is the work that God does. And number three, Sowing leads to more sowing. This is where the multiplication begins to, to take place. So the first one is, sowing is the work that we do. Verse three and four, it says, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed. Friends, God wants everybody to be a seed sower. If you follow Jesus, then Jesus has a plan for your life, and it involves sowing seed. Why, why was the gospel entrusted to you? Why did the gospel come to you? One of, one of the biggest reasons, it came to you for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons was so that it could come to you, you could enjoy it, and then pass it on to other people. It was never meant to stop with you. The gospel wasn't supposed to come to you and thank you, Jesus, I worship you so much, and that's it. 
You, you, weren't, you weren't an end destination. It was supposed to come to you and then go through you to other people. Listen to what Jesus says in, in John 15, verse 16. He says, you did not, this is Jesus speaking, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. This is what we referenced at the beginning of the talk, right? That your fruit should abide. Well, how are you gonna have fruit that abides, obviously he's talking about other people that would abide in him, right? John 15 is this passage that we all know and love. If you've been around church world for a while that talks about abiding in Jesus and, and, and we want to abide, we want to obey, we want to have the, the joy that Jesus can give us, right? And then Jesus says this thing. He said, one of the reasons that I've made you my own is so that you would join me in making others my own. That's part of the reason I chose you and made you mine. I want you to produce fruit and I want that fruit to abide in me as well. This is is supposed to be normal abiding. So here's the deal, friends. You can't abide in Jesus if you're not sowing seed. You can't abide in Jesus if you're not sowing seed. This is what normal abiding looks like, producing fruit, seeing people come to know him as a part of normal following Jesus life. But, but, but what we've done is we've created this weird world where, where people that share Jesus are, are kind of the minority and they're, 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 we use words like, they're really on fire. Have you ever stepped back and just thought about the words that you know, we kind of use in Christian circles sometimes? And you wonder why the rest of Austin thinks we're weird, right? They're on fire, right? How does that, I mean, I know we know, right? But that's what we call them. We call these these people that share their faith regularly like they're some kind of super Christian. When biblically, biblically, they're just doing what's supposed to be normal for all of us. For all of us, the biblical norm is sowing seed. There was a, there was a, um, we're talking to a small group of folks about potentially joining RMC about a year and a half ago, and there was a mom in there, and, and, and she was just being really honest, and, and I, I really appreciated her honesty. She's a mom of two young kids, and she said, um, Andy, what if, what if I, and she was saying this in front of a group of her friends, she's like, what if I don't even want to share with people? And I said, well, then I think that's where you start, and God meets you where you're at. And you just confess to God, God, right now, I don't even want to want to share. Would you come and give me a desire to want to share, to sow? And friends, God will meet you in that prayer. And you know what's cool is um, about three months later, by, by about mid-fall, that, that mom was sharing regularly. That mom was sharing regularly and God had changed her heart because she, got, uh, she, she joined our group actually and my wife got to show her how to, how to share with people and then she, now she's showing people how to, how to share um, and so and so that's really sweet. I think the other thing that we need to call out is that sometimes people are like, well, I don't know if I can sow seed or share my faith because I just don't have that gifting. I'm not an extrovert like you. Right? Friends, obedience has nothing to do with your gifting. Amen? Obedience has nothing to do with your gifting or wiring. God calls all of us to sow seeds, every single one of us. And so so could we just stop pretending as a church 
and just admit to where, because some of you are, are leaders in this church. Maybe you're on staff with the, the stone or maybe you're an elder or a deacon or you lead in students or you lead a, a Sunday morning group. And, and if we really said, what does it mean to make disciples? You'd be like, and, and you start spitting out Christianese. But you know what I'm talking about? It's a, it's a different language. I have a PhD in it. And, and you'd be spitting it out, but you really wouldn't know how to make a disciple. Could we just admit it? Could, could, could another year not go by where we have to pretend like we know how to make disciples? And just say, hey, you know what? I, I know I should know how to do this stuff, but I just don't. It's okay. It's okay. We want to help you. We don't have it all figured out, but we want to help everyone that, that calls our church, their church, how to make disciples. And we'll get to how to do that in a second. So here's some real practical things, okay? Verses three and four in Mark chapter four, it says, a sower went out to sow. He went out to sow. Friends, you can't sow seeds from your home. You can't sow seeds from your recliner or your couch or whatever you sit in, right? Or lay in. You, you have to go out. I know this is like, you're like, ah, thank you very much. No, really, you have to go out of your house. You have to get out in your neighborhood. You have to go out of your cubicle at, at, at work. You have to talk to the people that God puts you in, in front of. And so it can be in the normal rhythms or you can grab some people and go out and have special trips. It really doesn't matter, but you have to get out of your home. And so when you meet somebody, ask them questions, whether it's at your workplace or, or maybe it's this afternoon when you grab some lunch, right? Get to know people who, you know, do you know how many, how few waiters and waitresses get asked their name? A lot of times they just get treated like robots. Do you think they would notice if somebody entered into their life, asked their name, where they were from, if they could do anything, what would they want to do? Right? Those are, that's usually my little progression right there. And you begin to enter into their lives. And then before you leave the table, just say, hey, you know, uh, I don't know, whatever, you know. His name is, right, Jim? Jim, uh, hey, this is a, maybe a, a strange question, but have you ever read the Bible? Here, here's my two big questions that I'll ask people. This is real practical. How do you sow seed? Have you ever read the Bible? Would you and your friends like to with me? Have you ever read the Bible? See, I'm sprinkling seed. Joe, have you ever read the Bible? Would you and your friends like to with me? And, and it's okay if it's awkward, amen? We're talking about eternity for Joe. God put him in front of you for a reason. He's your server today for a reason. It's not just so that he can get your order right. It's so that you can invite him to follow the Savior we sing about. You, you'll be amazed at the responses that you'll get. Have you ever read the Bible? Um, would you like to with me? And, and some of you right now, you're like, well, that seems like a lot of pressure. Andy, I'm going to mess it up, and I'm going to even have my notes there trying to cheat on the table, and I'm still going to, you know what? You're putting way too much pressure on yourself. God doesn't want you. The, 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 the pressure is not on you, friends, which is our second point. The saving is God's work. The saving is the work that God does. 
Look what, um, and, and this is one of the lies I think the enemy has, has sold us and we believe is that I, I'm not going to share because somehow, someway I'll mess up the gospel and then somebody's going to respond wrong to my wrong gospel presentation and all of eternity was messed up because I opened my mouth. That's a lie. You don't have to take my words for it. Look at what Jesus said in, in, in John chapter 6 verse 44. Jesus is talking again. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. The the only way somebody gets to have a relationship with God is through Jesus. And the only way they get to have that is they answer this irresistible call. And you and I can't screw it up. Amen? Oh, friends, I don't know if you know how this works, but when I say amen on a really good point, then you need to say amen, okay? Amen? You can't, you and I can't screw up somebody's salvation. God's the one that does the work of saving. Such good news. All the pressure is on the seed. It's on him. He's the one that the next verse talks about how God is the one who teaches people. He's the one who draws people to himself. We can't mess it up. I'm not saying we shouldn't be biblically accurate. We should. But we can't mess it up, friends. God is the one that's doing the work of saving. And, and so we can take all the pressure off of ourselves. All the pressure. And then Think back to the story. You think about the four soils, right? Jesus was even trying to give us a heads up because sometimes we'll believe the lie. Like some of you are like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it at lunch. I'm going to do it. I'm going to talk to my server. I'm going to ask him to read the Bible. And then Joe says, no, I don't want to read the Bible. And you're like, oh, I knew it. I'm a terrible uh, seed sower. I'm terrible. I'm never going to do that again. No. Friends, look at the four soils. How many were good soil? Just one. Just one. There was, a, there was an instant no, and then there were two kinds of people that said yes at the beginning, looked good, but then didn't, didn't pan out in the end, right? Only one out of four ended up working out. Jesus was telling us, you should expect some no's. Amen? So don't be discouraged when you get a no or you get a yes and then they never call you back. It doesn't hurt like for those of you that are dating, most of you keep swinging, right? That's how I got this. Right? Friends, expect some no's. Not all the soil that you scatter seed on will be good and it's okay. Jesus was trying to give us a heads up. He's the one that's gonna do the work. So here's the last point. The reason that we sow is, number three, is sowing leads to more sowing. Because here's what, we're not just sowing so we can have some good stories to, to, to share at our missional community or our Bible study. No, we, we, we sow because we wanna raise up and see God raise up more sowers, right? The way that we're gonna reach a million plus people in Austin and give them opportunities to hear is to see some of them follow Jesus and we teach them how to do the same thing. The sowers, there's more sowers in the harvest. Hello. There's more sowers in the harvest. We just need to find them. God's already working in their lives. That's, that's what the good soil does. Remember what it says in verse 20? But those that were sown in the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 
30, 60, and 100 fold. So we just need to look for the ones that are bearing fruit. So how do we do this? What does this actually look like? So again, we're gonna do things a little different today and I'm gonna walk you through a real simple tool. When you walked in, there should have been one of these on your seat no matter what campus you're at, okay? And you can turn to the gray side and we're, we wanna give you, uh, unpack a tool for you called Discovery Bible Study. It's not the only tool. There's lots of great tools out there, but we wanted to give you something practical that you could do with your friends, family, roommate, MC, so, so because so, eventually you get a few no's, but then eventually somebody says yes. Somebody says yes. So what do you do when somebody says yes? We, we put it in your hands, okay? And so the first, the first I'm gonna give you a couple tips and then we're gonna kind of do a mock discovery Bible study and then, and then we'll be done, okay? So the first one is make the ask, right? Sow the seed. <laughs> you, you can't sow, you, can't, you gotta make the ask, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down either in your phone or in your notes, I want you to write down the names of three people, all right? And you're like, wow, that's kind of pushy. It's okay, it doesn't matter, I don't preach that much, right? (laughs) Write down the names of three people, please. Who are three people that you can ask, not believers, friends, people that you work with, people in your neighborhoods, right? A a, a friend of ours, um, here was his line at work, he's like, "Hey, um, uh, hey, Jim, um, uh, can, can Jim, can, sorry, I lost my train of thought for a second there. Jim, can I ask you a non-work-related question? And, and Jim's like, yeah, I mean, sure. Jim, have you ever read the Bible? He's been working with Jim for over a year, right? He just asks him one day at the water cooler, Jim, have you ever read the Bible? Well, would you and some of the guys wanna, wanna read it with me? Uh, you may, man, I never, I'm, you know, I, I have a Bible. I think I got one at confirmation, but I've, I've never really read it. Uh, sure, I, I'll, I'll try it. Hey, what do you think? Should we invite like Jack and Joe, right? They're, it's all J's at their company, right? And, and, uh, and, and, and so, yeah, let's, let's invite them. So then I go and ask Jack and Joe the same question. Now we got three guys from work that are wanting to read the Bible on Sunday nights. I invite somebody from my MC, right? And, uh, and th- there we are on Sunday night. So now what do we do? Right now we're and and try to do it at their house. That's that's another hint. Okay, don't do it at your house. We're trying to make them feel as comfortable as possible. Okay, so we want to meet at their house. So Jim, is it cool if we meet at your place? Yeah, great. Seven o'clock Sunday night. We'll meet at your place. Okay, so now we're at Jim's place. There's there's Joe and I forget all the J's. Jerry and I use different ones every service. Right, so come back next time. And and and. And, uh, and now we're sitting down, and then you just ask this, this question. Hey, um, what, what's something that went well this last week? What's something you're thankful for? And everybody takes a turn. And then you ask the second question, right? I'm just going down right here. What are you thankful for this week? What, what's something that was challenging this week? What was something that was hard this last week, guys? And you're like, man, are those kind of cheesy questions? It sounds like what's your high and what's your low? You know what? People want to share about their lives, amen? The reason that people are so into social media is because they don't have real conversations with real people. So they have to tell somebody about their highs and lows, and so they tell the internet, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to dog on it. I'm not saying you can't have a blog or whatever, Okay. But people want to share about their lives and we're just giving them an opportunity. And all of these questions, by the way, they relate to things that we want to see happen in their lives, the life of a believer, right? 
We want to see thankfulness in a believer's life. That's question one. We want to see um, bringing our anxieties, our, our, our requests to God. That's number two, right? And question three and four, you won't ask the first week, and you'll see why here in just a minute. And then we, we're going to read the story, okay? We're going to read a Bible story, and we've got a list of stories even. We, we tried to make this as simple as possible for everybody. Read Luke 7, 36 through 50, and here's what we don't want you to do. Don't bring five Bibles to the, to the Discovery Bible Study, Okay, and I know you're real proud of your big ESV study Bible, right? Maybe you got the new super calf leather bound one with the expanded version, right? And that's awesome. We know your, 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 your Bible's great, okay? But what we're trying to do is make it, because they already have a perception that there's this difference between, um, w- between them and us, and there's not. We want, them to, we want it to be really simple. So I just want you to print Luke chapter 7, 36 through 50 on a sheet of paper. Print it on five, six pieces of paper, okay? And then hand one out to everybody. And then, and then, and then because see, to a non-believer, when you say, hey, let's, let's read Luke um, 7, 36, they're like, who's Luke? Right? And what's he doing at 736 or whatever, right? They, they don't know what a Luke 736 is. See, so we've got this whole language, right? And we, let's just make it simple for our friends. We want them to follow Jesus. We'll get to the point where we buy them a Bible and all that stuff's going to happen, okay? Don't worry. It's still the Word of God, amen? And so we put a piece of paper and then we say, okay, um, Jim, why don't, you, why don't you read it? Okay, and Jim reads it. Thanks, Jim. Okay, Joe, can you read it for us, right? And Joe reads it out loud, and then we turn it over, and, and we say, okay, so, so we just read it twice, and now we're on the repeat and correct section right there in the middle, right? So who would like to, uh, Joe, how about you take a swing at telling us the story without looking at it? That's why we turned our papers over. So Joe kind of fumbles his way through the story. Okay, and then we ask the rest of the group, let's, let's, let's correct it. Let's retell it. What, what parts did he leave out? What parts did he add? Did he change anything? We talk about that for a while. We flip our papers back over. We look at the story. We ask that question again. Hey, is there anything that we left out from the story? And what we're getting is we want this to be the primary teacher, amen? So when we ask for somebody to retell the, the story, Christian, zip it. We know you can do awesome at retelling the Bible. Congratulations, the time's not for you. You're like, wow, that's kind of harsh. It's okay, I'm talking to me, right? We, we, don't need, we don't need all your thoughts right now. We need you to pray for your friends that they would come to know Jesus. We need you to, to, to step back and not be the first one to respond to every question. Let your friends talk. And, and so we go through the story, we, we repeat it, and then we correct it, and then we, we just ask this question real simply. Number five, what does this story teach us about God? Again, Christian, please, shh, silence is okay. It's okay to be a little awkward sometimes, amen? You should just say amen, because we're all awkward at some point, Right? Just let there be silence. It's okay. Let your friends, right, that you work with, let them respond. Let them learn about God. Let the Bible be the teacher. What do we learn about God? Let everybody take a swing at it. And when they say something that's really whack or they bring up something like, well, do you believe that God predestines people to to go to hell? Well, Jerry, that's a great question. You know what? I think this story 
um, maybe doesn't answer that as well as some other stories I know. So maybe why don't you and I, we'll meet uh, again later this week and we can talk through that one. It's a great question. Don't take the bait. You know what I'm talking about? Don't be the Bible answer man. Let the Bible be the Bible answer man. Okay? So we, we, we ask some questions. What does it teach us about God? And then we go on to the next question. Again, real simple. What is this number six? What does this um, story teach us about man or people? What does this story teach us about people? And everybody takes a swing at it. Okay, now here's where we take a jump. Question number seven. In light of this story, what's something that we could do this week? What's something that you could do this week? And what we're asking them is to read the Bible and then become obedient to the Bible, right? Even before they're following Jesus. Because Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. It's called obedience-based discipleship. From the moment that you met anybody in your life is the moment that you begin to disciple them. You're gonna disciple them to something, right? We wanna disciple people, and what we're looking for is fruit, right, in their lives. That's what soil number four, that's how we'll know it's soil number four. And so everybody picks something, and let's say that, you know, um, uh, Jerry's new to this whole thing, and he's like, well, you know, I, I learned from the story of, of, of Luke 7 that um, I uh, uh, shouldn't judge people, and I should be nicer to people that we work with, right? Like Martha, right, who's very Dallasy. And, 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 sorry, Dallas. And, uh, this is Austin. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and, and so it's like, okay, uh, Jerry, that's good. You, you want to be kind to Martha? That's good. Now, what, what, that's good, but what does that actually mean, right? What's a tangible thing that you could do for Martha this week that would, would show kindness to her? Well, I, I, I guess I could, you know, buy her her favorite coffee downstairs, Right? Yeah, that's a great idea. Okay, so that's your application from the story. You're gonna buy Martha, who is sometimes hard to love for all of us. You're gonna buy her coffee. That's great. So, so there's something yes or no. Don't just say like, I'm gonna be thankful. This is usually harder for the Christians than it is for the non-Christians, right? Because we kind of live in this ambiguous world where, where it's just like, I'm just gonna be more thankful this week. Well, that's great, but what does that mean? Right? How does that... Ta- ta- tangibly play out. You can be more thankful, but have something you do to show your thankfulness. Write down a list of five things you're thankful for every, every day. Now, now we've got something tangible. The next week we can ask you, question three, hey, last week you said you were going to buy a coffee for Martha. Did you do it? Yes or no? Again, we're, 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 we're lifting up that we don't just read the word of God, we obey it. And then the, the, the last question is, who could you tell this story to? Question eight is, who's somebody that you could tell this story to this week? And they list one or two people, right? And, and if you're the leader, the facilitator, you're jotting down notes when everybody says their I will statement, question number seven, like I will this week in response to this story. And then, and then you're jotting down who they're gonna tell because next week when you get together, Next week, when you get together, after you talk about what's gone well, what's, what you're thankful for, and what's been challenging, question three is, hey, last week, you said you were going to give a coffee to Martha. Did you do it? And last week, you said you were going to talk to your two cousins that live just south of Austin. Did you do it? And we're going to ask them if they did it. Okay? And so at the end of the time, guys, great, really enjoyed meeting with you. Hey, would it be okay if we did this uh, uh, again next week, seven o'clock, work for all you guys? 
Yeah? Okay, sweet. Uh, 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 I forget which J. Jerry, Jim, whatever your name, right? Like, um, is it okay if we have it at your place? Yeah. What I'm not asking is, hey, do you guys want to do a Bible study for the next 10 weeks? Because I don't know what's going to happen in their life. I, I, I don't know if they're ready to commit to that, and I don't know if I'm ready to commit, commit to that. Now, this one's really hard for us, church, because what we like to do is we like to get one person, and we just like to blast them with seed for like two years. You know what I'm talking about? This is my lost friend, Right? And I know it's like, man, that's kind of, but that's how we talk sometimes. But yet when we look at Jesus and we look at the disciples in, in the Gospels and in, in, in the book of Acts, we don't see that. Jesus, in fact, when he sent out the disciples in Matthew chapter 10 and Luke chapter 10, he says to them, if people don't respond to my words, then you need to move on to the next town. You need to go to the next group of people. Again, we're looking for that soil, that that person that's responding, that's becoming obedient. Fruit is coming from their lives and they're telling other people about Jesus. And so I'm not gonna give you any like, after three weeks, drop them. But but what I'm definitely saying is, I, I, I don't think years is the answer, amen? See, we actually do a disservice to the harvest that we live among when we spend two years with one person. Because we spend all of our time scattering on a soil that's not ready to receive it, at least right now, when we could be out finding other soil number four people. Friends, God has soil number four people in Austin. I know he does because, because uh, our little tiny uh, MC of 14 people, this last semester, we got to see five people say yes to Jesus. Just one MC, all committed, saying we want to scatter seed regularly. We saw five people. I don't know if all five will make it, will last. I pray they do. But five people said they want to follow Jesus. So we're doing everything we can to help those five follow Jesus. There's a harvest in, in, in Austin, friends. You can't do it by yourself. So get some people to do it with. Jesus said, he said in, in John um, 12, if, if I'm lifted up, I will draw all men to ourselves. And so that's what we want to do. We want to lift up the name of Jesus, right? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. In verse 14, John chapter one, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We want to lift up Jesus, hello, so that all men and women can be drawn to him. Not just in Austin, but throughout the world. He wants to do that through us, church. He wants us to make disciples so that they can make disciples, so that they can make disciples, so that he can return and we can enjoy him forever. Let's pray. God, um, Thanks that your word is really clear, um, that you give us uh, a, a very clear game plan in how you want us to um, make disciples and how you want us to scatter seed. I pray that you would give us the courage this week to ask people to read your word and that, Lord, there, there, there will be some no's. I know there will, but I, you, I know you told us that, and I pray that we wouldn't get discouraged when the no's come. In fact, we would, we would pray for more courage and more faith to ask more people until we find that good soil. 
We believe, God, that you have good soil in Austin. People who, who aren't today worshiping you, but in 2018 will worship you. And we want to be those that raise their hand with fear and timidity and say, God, could you let us join you in pursuing your church across Austin and growing your kingdom? Please, God, let us join you. Give us faith and courage, Lord. We have a lot of questions. We've got a lot of um, reasons not to do this. But would your word trump all those, God, so that people could step into knowing you and loving you for their joy and for ours. We want to see you exalted and worshiped by all the peoples of the world. Would you do it here in Austin and would you do it among the nations. And the church agreed and said,